right? 13 to 15 reading. And who is he that will harm you if he be followers of them which, are, which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all turn to God in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for safe travels back from Kem. And Lord, more time to be able to study your word. We come acknowledging that we are so full of sin. Lord, we pray for cleansing and washing in the blood of our Saviour. That this night of gathering will be pleasing to you. We pray for um, your Holy Spirit to truly open our eyes of understanding. Give us hearts to obey. And Lord, we do ask that you remove all tiredness and distraction and help us, Lord, to learn much so that we may live it out in our lives. This we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, now the last time we were here, we looked at verses 13 and 14. The Christian in this life will suffer. In verse 14 it says, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake. Okay, so you may not be killed and murdered like them, but still, I'm sure you go through sufferings. Right? So just because you want to obey God, you will find. Now God says in verse 14, But then if, as long as you want to live righteously, there, is, there will be people who will be angry. There will be people that will, be, that will disagree with you. Sometimes even... Christians, it's difficult. Sometimes it's loved ones. So it's for these believers, they lived in a time that just because they wanted to obey Christ, they were thrown out of homes. They were made um, outcasts in society. Their properties were taken away from them. Now I remember someone whom I, whom I know, when this person became a Christian, the family threatened to stop paying for her education and to throw her out of the house. To stop education means you have nothing at your age, right? No school to go to, nowhere to live. Just because we choose to become Christians. Today, there are still cases like that. It is not easy. Why? Because Satan, the adversary, will always want you to give up your faith. Always want you to fear. Hence God says, don't be afraid of the terror. All right? Be not afraid of the terror, neither be troubled. Neither be troubled. I told you before, I've seen people who become Christians want to be baptized. The parents come to church with Cain, standing at the back of the church. Now I was told even during... Uh, when I was in FEBC, when some, Christ, some people became Christians, the parents came to church and made them kneel outside the church and, and cane them. And these were university students, right? So these things happen. Now the thing is this, God says, whatever it is, you say, oh, those things will happen to me. I come from a Christian family. 
Well, but still, one day you may face, you may make a choice that will displease your parents. Sometimes parents, they are Christians, right? But when the child says, oh, God has called me to the full-time ministry. They are Christian parents, but they get very angry at them and they threaten them. So living right comes with consequences. Now, but God says, be not troubled. Be not troubled. Be not troubled means don't let it make you worry and make you think like it's the end of the world. Remember, God is the holy God. He is the supreme God. God will help you out of that. Now, many of these cases, if they let themselves be troubled, they let themselves be fearful and say, all right, then I won't be a Christian anymore. Or, all right, then I won't follow Christ so closely anymore. I just, just be um, a Christian. Well, I know this is wrong, but I'll just do it. God says, don't be troubled. Just obey. Continue to obey. God will work things out. So many of these Christians, as a result of that. Now, let me ask you, as a result of going through that, what do you think can happen? Maybe now I start from the back. All right? CJ, what do you think can happen? If you become a Christian and then your parents, they get very angry at you, but you still continue to obey, that, uh, obey God, at the same time obey your parents in things that are not sinful, what do you think will happen? Or maybe I put it the other way, you get very troubled, you get very worried, and then you choose not to obey God, but to obey them. What will happen? Besides the fact that you disobeyed God. <laughs> Very good. Your witness to them would be not as good. What do you mean by witness? Uh, your individual Christian witness to your individual Christian witness not so good. Now then, what will happen to them? Uh, less likely to become Christian. They will less likely become to become Christians. Correct? Because you you stop being a Christian or you stop going to church. Oh, you stop learning gospel. How are you going to be of any help to them? Now, some of those in our church, when they leave the charismatic church, for example, you know, the, the parents get very angry and so on, but they stayed on. Now, if you don't leave, the parents will continue in there, correct? But if you leave, you learn the truth, you try to help them to understand that. Yes, all the time they are very angry at you. Just trust the Lord. He will help you through it. You will go through difficulties. But how would you not know that one day through you, they will come to know the truth, understand it correctly, and also leave the false movement, right? That is why God tells them, but if you suffer for righteousness sake, you know you are obeying God. As long as you know this is scriptural, I must obey God. Now he says, happy are ye. You are blessed. Because you obey, God will use you. The most blessed thing for a Christian to be, to have in life is to be useful to God. To be a testimony, to be a witness, right? Hence he said, now that is why in verse 14, God says, Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. You must not be, because the moment you are, you become useless. You will give in. Alright? Now that is what we need to study tonight. That is what leads to the next verses. 
Uh, the next verse especially. Look at verse 15. Let's read verse 15 one more time together. Verse 15, reading. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that answers you for a reason of that hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So God says, now, you do not fear. You must obey God. Now in school, your friends make fun of you. Why don't you partake in this, participate in this and that? But you know, those things are not for Christians to be in. God says, don't be afraid. Continue to stand your ground. Even though you feel embarrassed and all that, don't. Now, then he gives you the answer to how. How to be like that. Look at question number one. Alright? Now, what should I do? What should I do when I am persecuted and suffer for living according to God's word? Okay, so next, Joshua. What does God tell us to do? I mean, he, we've covered that. Don't be afraid of the terror, neither be troubled. But how, how to be like that? What is the, cont the contrary thing to do? Very good. Right? So God says, but instead of being afraid, instead of wanting to give up, instead of giving in to them, instead of giving in to your own lust, God says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Okay? CJ, what else? Hey, not CJ, uh, Aaron, what else? Very good. Very good. Now, this is important. Eh? I am trying to help all of you learn this. Now, there, there can be many answers, correct? But in this passage, it's important to look at the Bible. Every time I ask a question, look at the Bible. All right? So, first thing Aaron did, turn over and look at the Bible. Yes, the next thing is N. Right? Verse, verse 15. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope. So, these two things. God says, do these two things. You must have these two things. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and... Okay, make sure you're paying attention. Isaac, what is it? What are they? And? Be ready to give an answer. Very good. Be ready to give an answer. Two things. Now, what, what do they mean? So that's question number one answered. Question number two. Um, do you have the question sheet? Yes, all right. Now, what does it mean to sanctify God in my heart? All right? So he said, all right, I've got to do that. But what does it mean? You are afraid. You are troubled. It's very difficult. But God says, do this. Sanctify the Lord God. What do you think it is, Matify? Um, Matify. <laughs> no, I want to say sanctify. I want to say, Matthew, what does sanctify mean? I became Matify, right? The shortest form. Matthew, what does sanctify mean? Sanctify the Lord God in your heart mean? Is it like um, to be more like God? To be more like God. Um, it will have that effect, but not that. Okay, maybe try another one. Do you remember I, I keep explaining what does sanctify mean? Sanctify. Don't remember. No, okay. Then try next. Yes. Mm-hmm. To separate, very good. Separate, all right. So remember, all right. So now, from now onwards, um, um, Matthew, you remember, sanctify means separate out, all right. Or you can say set apart, 
set apart. Okay, so always remember that because this word sanctify is used in scriptures very often. And every time you see this word, you must understand what it means first, and then you know how to apply it, what, it, what the, con the context will tell you how to think. Now, it means set apart. So please remember this, the equipment in the temple, God says, go sanctify this equipment, all right, that it will be used for sacrifice. What does God mean to sanctify all this, the, the, the bowl, um, the, the knives? What does it mean? What do you think it means? Not really sure. Not sure. All right. To separate God from other things in your heart. Is it? Yes, that is what it means. But I want you to have a picture. This word must be clear in your mind. Because God tells us to sanctify ourselves as well. Phoebe. What does, what does it mean to sanctify the bowl, the knives, and then the table, and those things they use for sacrifices? What does it mean to set, sanctify them? God says, go sanctify these things before you use it to worship me. <laughs> Mommy says, Phoebe, we are going to cut fruits. Sanctify the knife. <laughs> Yes, that is why you see it means clean, right? Thank you very much. Sanctify naturally leads us to think about clean, correct? That is correct. But what, what do you do to make them clean? Uh, next, Veronica. Use water to wash it. So we have all this picture, right? Okay, next one. Leah. What does it mean to sanctify all these things? Is it just, okay, we washed it already. It's clean, shiny even, we polished it. Is that good enough? Uh, Give up. Not sure. Okay, last one. Not too sure. Now, you, I want you to be very clear. That's why I'm spending time with this. Is washing and cleaning... Good enough. Maybe I ask you a simpler question, Gracia. Um, what do you use your toothbrush for? What if Matthew used it to wash the toilet bowl? <laughs> it becomes dirty. Wow, you you and Phoebe coordinated. <laughs> it becomes dirty. It became dirty because it was used to clean the toilet bowl. <laughs> You want to use it clean? So, Phoebe, you wash the, you, you wash the toothbrush, alright? You wash the toothbrush, is it clean? Yes. But if it's used to do something else, will you put it in your mouth? <laughs> now you understand the word set apart. The toothbrush is set apart for what? To not be used for the toilet. <laughs> to be not be used for the toilet. Why don't you say but to be used for my mouth? It's both. Alright? The set apart means this is put aside for a specific use and not to be used for something else. Set apart, the reason why is clean. Remember that. And don't forget, sanctify means holy. In the Bible, it also translates translated as holy. 
Holy means set apart, means clean. But it is you are clean because you do not use yourself for anything else except God. Can you understand this concept? Do not forget this concept, alright? I hope the toothbrush thing will help you remember. You would not use the toothbrush to do anything else except for the intended purpose and in your mouth, correct? Now when God says sanctify yourself then, Anna, what does it mean? Sanctify yourself. Oh, before we go there, so in the temple, right? God says sanctify all this equipment. God is saying that now this bowl, or maybe Anna you try, this bowl, sanctify this bowl for the temple, for the sacrifices. What do you understand now then? The bowl should be put away for that reason. The bowl should be put away for that reason. One very important word. Adverb. For that reason starts with O. Only. Only. The bowl should be set apart for temple use only. The knife should be temple use only. Can they bring the bowl, the, can the priest bring the bowl back and cook lamb curry? No. Can the, can, the, can the priest take the knife home to chop the trees at home? Next, great. Can. Uh, Grace. Grace. <laughs> Sorry, I have very little sleep in camp. Grace, can the priest say, oh, this is sanctified, but I take it home and use it to chop the tree? Is set apart only for the temple use. Alright, so this concept of set apart, this concept of, of uh, what's the word you use? Separate. Alright, separate. Holiness means we set ourselves apart from, from what? Next. Everything else, okay. Um, everything else in the world, alright? Whoa. Means we don't go into the world, we don't eat, we don't sleep, we don't live um, in the world, no. Alright, means worldliness. We separate ourselves from worldliness. And my life is only for? Only for God's use. My life is only for God's use. Correct? Okay, so that is, that is what it means. So when God says, sanctify yourself, be holy. God is saying that, simply that. So every time you go to school, Every time you go to work, you remember, I am in the world, but I am separate from the world. I must be very careful. And my life is for God to use, not to be used for the world. Alright? Now, but that is about us. So you know, understand that now. But what do you think it means? But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. What do you think it means then? Uh, CP. Say again. Oh. Essentially, it's just uh, set like the first commandment, like this having to be first commandment to love the Lord thy God with the first and great commandment. First and great commandment, yeah. Okay. Win my affection. Not nothing else should be should be more important to me. Alright? Now, okay, so let's let's go through it slowly. Now, when we say sanctify the Lord God, sanctify the Lord God, can you make God holy? Yes. 
God is holy. God is thrice holy. So this cannot mean make God holy. But the word simply means set apart, correct? Now what it means is you set God apart in your heart. Make God highest. Nothing else can compare to God. Alright? You must have the highest thoughts of God. So, you see the word set apart simply means put it aside and put it aside and put it so high up that everything else is beside it. Understand that? Now, so when God says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart, is to make sure that in your thoughts, in your heart, now this is in your heart, huh? not, not just with your lips. The Christians were going through persecution. You know when you go through trials, when you go through challenges, when you go through temptations, it is not what you say during peaceful times. I want to obey God. I want to love God. I will obey Him. It is when you are tried and tempted to compromise. You are tried and tempted to, to lie. You are tried and tempted to sin. Tried and tempted to give in. Now, that is when your heart, when in your heart, God is actually the most important thing. Most important person. It is only when God is really like that in your heart that then nothing can touch you. Nothing can move you. Understand that? Now, many young people may have something very important in their lives. Okay, Maybe just, for example, um, exam times. Right? You look at the people of the world. It's exam time. Exam is set apart in their heart, understand? It's so high up and important, understand? That is why they will not go out. They will not go out to play as they used to. They will not sleep as much as they used to. They will not play the computer games as much as they used to. Well, I'm talking about the normal students, not the bad students, alright? That typically they will say, no, they, they say, invite me to church. No time for church. Right, the people of the world, because that is so important, exams, everything else, no matter what you try and tempt them with, because that is so important. During that period, nothing can steer them away, correct? So when God says, now you want to be a Christian that under every situation, you will not, you will not falter. God says, the first thing is God must be so high up in your heart, okay? So high a priority. Now then, what does it mean to have God so high up? God is supreme in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. is always overarching everything. Understand that? Now it also then means that His ways, His commandments are always true. Is, are always to be obeyed. His commandments are always to be obeyed because God is so supreme, so high up in your life. Whatever He says is always true. That is why Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. His ways are always correct. Now, what happens if God is not like that in your heart? And then these persecutors come. Wait, I'm over here, right? These persecutors come and say, Hazel, you know, um, your God, you don't have to obey your God this way, alright? You can sacrifice to, to Caesar as well. And also your God, right? 
Now, if God's commandments and God's, God's truth is not supreme in your heart, what would you do? You will? Sorry, no more. You will compromise, right? You will compromise. You will compromise. Say, yeah, I think it's okay. I'd rather not suffer. I'd rather not um, um, fail my exams. I'd rather not, not do so well. The world says it's okay. Then it's okay. God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, correct? So God must be very supreme in your heart. God is very supreme in your heart means everything that God says is, is so true. It is some, the only thing I can do in life. I won't disobey it. Okay, so that is some of the things that set apart God in your heart means. Now it means when we set apart God, then when your life, when your safety, when your comfort, when your possession is at stake, you will still choose God. Because He's he is highest. You will still choose Him. So it's not, it's not when God says, sanctify me, in your, sanctify me in your heart. He is not saying, make me most important. Huh? And then you better obey all my ways. Huh? Now, it means you love me more than anything else. You choose me more than anything else. That is why it's called sanctify the Lord God in your heart your heart, not your mind. Your mind will tell you, yeah, this is right, yes, 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 yes. But when the test comes, what matters is your heart, right? It's church camp time. What will you do? Choose to not go? Say, Lord, whatever it is, I will take leave, right? I will go. Now, but here it says this. Oh yes, by the way, um, maybe I ask, oh, I'm still here. Hey, uh, Hadassah, sorry if I forget names tonight, alright, I'm really very tired. Hadassah, why does God want you to love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, all your might? Because, uh, because uh, Michelle, Michelle once asked, doesn't it make God, and she knows the answer now, so I want to ask her, doesn't it make God look very narcissistic? <laughs> right? It makes God look very narcissistic, right? No. No. <laughs> well, the answer is no, yes. Say again. He's God, He's supreme, He's the creator, and it is, we are just creatures who are going to question Him. Very good. So the first thing, God says, sanctify me in your heart, put me in the highest. It's really referring to what? CP rightly answered, the first and great commandment, alright? It's really referring to that. Now even, now look at how he puts it, verse, verse 14, oh, where's that? Verse 15, but sanctify, did he say sanctify God? He says sanctify the Lord God. Oh, sorry, what I meant to ask is, did he say sanctify the Lord? But he says sanctify the Lord God. Now, God means he's, He is Almighty, Supreme, the Creator, the Almighty One, right? Now, you must remember in your heart that He is that. 
Even what, Now, what does Lord mean? Lord means He is your Saviour, correct? He's your Master, He's your Master. Now, when God says, sanctify the Lord God, He is telling us, we lift Him up as the Supreme God. Now, even if God did not do anything for us, we must still set Him as the highest. Even if you are unbeliever, God is to be obeyed simply because He is God. Understand that? So, now if I say you must obey me simply because I'm pastor, you must obey me simply because I tell you so, then I am narcissistic. Why? Because I am not supreme, correct? Sanctify, same highest means supreme. Supreme means He is really that. He is really that. There is no one higher than Him. There is no one more powerful than Him. There is no one greater than Him. There is no one more loving than Him. There is no one more holy than Him. Nothing, no one, nothing. So, if God is that, we simply have to sanctify Him. But here He says, Lord God. Now, because God is your Saviour. He is your Saviour. Now, God is to be supreme even if He doesn't save us. And how much more if He saves us? We must respond in our heart, Lord, your ways are true, I must obey. You are God, I must obey you. But because you are Lord, I willingly, joyfully want to obey you. I love you. I love you. If you are not like that, when the trials come, you will give up. You will give up. Now, any one of you, if you see your dad or your mom, all right, your daddy or your mommy, a dog is chasing after them. Then the dog beat your mom or your dad on the leg. All right? Which one of you will say, I know this is mommy. All right? I know she, uh, she is um, my mother. All right? Why would you run and risk yourself to pull the dog away? Why? Because I need to protect my mom. Why protect your mom and not me? <laughs> because I love her, right? I love her. Natural. It's natural for you to love your mother more than me, I understand, right? I expect you to, okay? So, because it's natural. Why is it natural for you to love her? Because she's your mom. She, he is your Lord, your God. It must be natural in you. That's why whatever happens, you will still go there, although you're a little boy, little girl, you will jump on the dog and try to pull the dog away even though you won't even think that the dog is going to bite, up, bite you. You won't even care, right? Your Lord God. That is what God must be to you in your heart from a very young age. And then whatever happens, you will not even think, oh, but these things were taken away. What if my results are not so good? What if, what if, what if? You won't even think about that. So God says you must sanctify the Lord, God, in your heart. Alright, and God puts the word Lord first to make us remember that. Alright, so sanctify. But still, so number one, simply because He is God, you must sanctify the Lord because He is God. So not narcissistic, not narcissistic, alright? Not. But 
But still, there is also a reason. Now, if you do not worship God as the supreme God, does it make him any less God? Um, um, Jemima, does it make him any less God? But that's not my question to you, right? That's the easy part. Then why does he ask you? It doesn't affect anything. But you know, commandments are given to us, right? Jemima, commandments are given to us for what purpose? Two purposes. Say again. To help us to not sin. Very good. The other one is? Help us please God. Help us please God. Excellent answer. So remember, commandments are given to us for two reasons. One, to please God, to glorify Him, right? Two, to prevent us from sinning. Which leads to the first, right? Always remember that. Now, so what is, when God says, sanctify me as God, means lift me up. Well, that's our duty because He is God, correct? But now, but God says, sanctify the Lord, God, the Lord. Now, this has to do with God's relationship with us. Why does God give us this commandment? Lift him up means to obey the first commandment. All right, so that is my question, all right, Jemima? So my question is, why does God tell Jemima, love me with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind? Now, so that I won't, not sinning is, is to please God, correct? But it's also good for who? Not sinning is good for who? <laughs> okay, right? Anything to do with me, I better think twice before I say, right? Good for us, very good. Not sinning is good for me, correct? Sinning is bad for, for myself, correct? So when God says, love me with your all, is good for who? Us. Because even if we don't love God with our all, does it change anything in God? It doesn't change anything in God, understand that. So when God says, sanctify me, put me up there, the highest as your Lord, how is it good for you? Because some Christians think like that, you know, it's not good obeying, loving God with my all, putting Him up there as the most important, and then everything else must be, must be subject to that, secondary to that. How can it be good for me? Correct? If you're honest, that's how we normally think. That's why we don't obey God's commandments. Because we, we, we seem to feel it's good for God. Okay, Jemima, still sticking at you. Why? Alright? Why is it good for you? How is it good for you? So that we'll And then no consequences of sin. Okay? In a sense, yes. So that we'll be useful. So be useful, okay. Um, Okay, I see what you mean. So, uh, you're talking about the benefit of... Now, maybe I just simply say this. I just answer the question myself. Maybe I give you this example. Um, there was once a girl, um, she had a boyfriend, alright? So, she came over, she came here to study and studied, and then was in our church for a while. She claims to be a Christian and all that. And then she wants to obey God um, and all. She began to learn about God and she lived quite obediently, alright? So she's always coming for Bible studies, she loved the Lord, and every time she has questions, um, she's very sensitive to sin. Well, she asks, Pastor, is, you know, can you tell me, is this right or wrong? Now, I use scriptures to explain to her, and she always wants to try and obey. And sometimes there are some things that in her life she struggles with, it's very difficult, but eventually she still says, I must obey God, alright? Alright? It was wonderful, it was wonderful. Then one day she came to church crying and crying and crying. And before that, for a period, she kind of like not coming to church, just on and off and crying and crying. 
And then we found out why, and she said she wanted to talk to me. All right? Why do you think she was crying? Because everything else, so many things in her life, she was willing to give up. She's willing to, to very often even disobey parents. When the parents say, I want you to do this, but she knows it's sinful. All right? She even would go through scolding and, and all that and bear with that and still come to church. But what happened? All right? This was parents. She would even, even go through that, bearing all that because of parents. Because the boyfriend dumped her. The boyfriend, how to say dumb? You're looking at me confused. The boyfriend don't want her. <laughs> because you dumb rubbish, right? The boyfriend didn't want her anymore. They want to be his, her, her, her boyfriend anymore, alright? That's what it means, okay? The younger ones. Alright, so the boyfriend said, I don't want you to be my girlfriend anymore. It was like the end of the world to her. It was the end of the world to her. I don't think I've sat in a room, I don't think I've seen someone cry for so long in my life before. We were in the room for maybe one and a half hours, all right? Counseling, counseling her. Throughout the period, it's just non-stop, the tears, non-stop. Okay, now, Jemama, I give you the clue already. <laughs> so, why does God tell you to love Him with your all? All your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Didn't get a clue. <laughs> CJ. Time men. Uh, is it because he will never leave you or forsake you? He will never leave you. <laughs> God will never dump you. <laughs> okay, God will never dump you. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Alright, that is correct. Um, another way of saying, God says, you love me with your all. When you love me with your all, you will never be disappointed. I will never disappoint you, right? I will never leave you. Put it another way, Aaron. If, if, if you, God says, love, Aaron, love me with your hearts, all, all. The keyword is all. All your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind. The keyword is all. How does it help you? Because commandments are given for two reasons. One, to please God. The other is to help you. Right? How does it help you? Because you have never been heartbroken before. You don't know. <laughs> You can rely on Him, then you pray to Him, God, don't disappoint me, alright? Ask Him to take me back. <laughs> the guy won't take you back. Now, if you love God with your all, see the key word is all. God used the word all, all, all. If you love God with all your heart, now anything being taken away from you, will you go through that kind of misery, go through that kind of I, I don't want to come to church anymore. I don't want to study God's Word anymore. Will you end up like that? You won't. You won't. Because, number one, if the thing that you love is all with your all is God, well, you have other loves, alright? Because you're still told to love your parents. You're still to love your children. You're still told to love your brethren. You're still told to love, right? 
But God says, if God is your all, your, your, all your love, your key love is Him, then any other love that is taken away from you, and because that key love will never leave you, you will always have that key love. If anything else take, is taken from you, you won't spiral down into that kind of misery and end up affect your Christian walk. Do you understand that? Your father can die, your mother can die, your grandfather can die, your child can die. Yes, you will go through sorrow, but you will not sorrow to the point where you say, I, I don't want to walk with God anymore. Or you may walk with, continue to walk with God, but, but it's no more like what you used to be anymore. All right? Very sadly, you don't hear from her anymore. Um, now you understand why God says, love me with your all? Love me with your all is for your protection. God doesn't benefit from it. Angels love Him better than us. Infinitely better than us. Loving, when God commands you to love Him, to exalt, sanctify Him high in your heart, is not because He's narcissistic, it's because He deserves it. When God tells you to sanctify Him as Lord, it's not because He is lonely, but because He knows it is good for you. Christians, if you want to live a life that is joyful, you want to live a life that is that nothing can touch you or move you. I'm not talking about so that you have a good life. Eh? Choose to love Him with your all. No matter what happens in your life, you will not be moved. You will still be joyful. Now, look at verse chapter 3, alright? If you do verse 14, sanctify the Lord God in your heart you will be happy, you'll be blessed. Now, I try to explain to this girl, now, we've always taught you to love God with your all. If you loved God with your all, you will not feel that this is the end of the world. To her, she literally said, this is like the end of, life has no more meaning. She said those words. I said, how can a Christian say life has no more meaning? Because she, because she sanctified the boyfriend in her heart. Understand that? Then even if I give a lot of God to her, give a lot of God's word to her, it doesn't comfort her. Understand that? When God is your all, you're easily comforted. God is with you. Do you know that sto the, the story of that hymn, the story behind the hymn, when peace like a river attendeth my soul? This very rich businessman, he wrote that hymn, alright? His, his wife and his children, uh, quite a few of them, took a ship overseas to go somewhere, but he had to stay back for some business. And then she, they took a ship, and then the ship sank. I think all the children died. I think only the wife or something left behind or something. Then I think later on, I think the wife also died. Something happened, the wife also died. Somewhere along the way, after the ship shipwreck, um, now after that, this is your whole family taken away. Then the next thing is, his business crashed. There was a huge fire or something like that, burnt many of his factories, and then the economic downturn and all sorts of things. Everything gone, he became a poor man. And he wrote the hymn, When peace like a river attendeth my soul. To him that peace is not just when some peace. Peace like a river means well, he, th he thought of the storm, you know, that storm that came, that in, in huge, huge waves that came, non-stop that came, that kind of waves, 
They say, all that wave that came and killed my family. They say, the peace that I have is like that. Like that kind of wave that comes when peace like a river, non-stop, attends my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll, when sorrow like the, the roar of the island rolls, but yet this peace is so strong. Now why? Why? So many things taken away from him. Why is he like that? Because he sanctified, he's someone who sanctified the Lord God in his heart. That everything else can be taken away, whatever persecution, whatever difficulty. Now one day if your parents say, if you become a Christian, I will throw you out of the house. Is it painful? Of course. It's your parents, right? You love them. But who would you choose? Depends who you sanctify in your heart. It could be your job one day. It could be your health one day, whatever it is. It could be your ambition one day. How? Right? So when God says, sanctify me, put me as highest, in other words, the first commandment, love me with your all, it is very good for you. Very good for you. The whole world hopes, the whole world writes lots of books about how to have peace, how to overcome challenges in life, how not to be miserable. The Bible simply has one statement. The first and great commandment here said, as sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Right? Okay? Set him, set him apart. So that is one. Alright? Christians, would you do that? Go home and ask yourself. Write down. What is highest in my life? What is highest? Be very honest. My school results, admiration of my friends. Now those things, like other loves, may not be sinful, but what is highest? That is the question. What is set apart? Untouched, untouchable. Ask yourself that. When Daniel and his, when Daniel's friend, let's turn to Daniel chapter 3 verse 16. Daniel chapter 3 verse 16. Alright, Daniel chapter 3 verse 16. We know this very well, this story very well. Nebuchadnezzar was about to kill. Alright, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because he forced them to bow down to the idol. Let's read verse 16, uh, verse 16 and um, verse 16 to 18 together. Reading, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But and if, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up." Now, notice what they said. Now, this is an example of young men. All right. These are not past, are not um, prophets. These are the young men taken into captivity. They are teenagers, all right? Upper age teenagers, most likely. That's how they calculated. Now, these people, they are young people, young adults. But they said to the king, You 
please don't take this lightly. Eh? Fiery furnace, lions, threaten, threatening your life. You're feeling the heat, so you stand there, you feel um, the heat of the furnace. Very near. Some of you turn on heater at night and then you keep complaining, very hot, you cannot sleep at camp. This one is like super hot heat. Stand, so you're feeling all these things. And then he say, worship. You're feeling the heat of temptation? Feeling the heat of being scolded? No, but he say, let it be known. Now he say, we, we are not careful to answer you. Not, he's not being rude. Huh? I'm not going to answer you. No, he said, we are not careful. We are not worried about what we are going to say to you. Alright? We are not so afraid that we dare not tell you this. We are not full of care, full of worry. That's why God says, be not afraid of the terror, nor be troubled. See, we are not troubled in our heart. In verse 16. If so, be our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. Number one, they say, God can deliver us. God can deliver us. Now, God is so important to them. They say, we will not bow down. God will deliver us. But how important? Then he says, then he says, and he will deliver us out of thine hand. But verse 18, he says, but if not, but if not, but if not, be it known unto you. Let it be known to you. We will not serve your God still. We will not give in. Alright? Now what does it mean? When you sanctify God high in your heart, even if you will lose your life, it doesn't matter. Even if you lose, don't know about lose life, but lose high good grades, it doesn't matter. Even you lose friendships, it doesn't matter. Even if you lose your job, it doesn't matter. You see, it does not mean that when you sanctify God high in your heart, means God will answer all your prayers. Please know that, huh? because these people understood that. They say, we sanctify, we will obey God. Now he say. He will deliver us. But if He does not, eh? if He does not, if He does not, it doesn't matter as well. Because He's so important, right? He is supreme in our lives. So, now I hope you understand, you set God apart so highly. Nothing else compares to Him in your heart. Okay? I hope you understand when this mean, what this statement means. Sanctify God, the Lord God in your heart. Now, then you have the second part, all right, second part. So, two things, right, to do two things. So, first thing that you have to settle in your heart. I hope you do, my friends, before you go into high school. Who's going to high school soon? No. <laughs> One, okay. Who is going to uni- pre-U is high school, is it? Who is going into university soon? <laughs> kind of, right? The next group. Who is going to go to? Okay, no, to anymore. <laughs> Who is going to come out to work soon? All right, you know. Now God says that unless you sanctify Him in your heart now, now. Not until when I get into high school, when I get into university, when I get into the workforce, it will be too late. You think Daniel, oh actually, uh, yeah, you think Daniel and his three friends, you think that when, only when they were in Babylon, 
Then they, be, then they began to think about this. They were already armed in their mind. Already. Alright? They have already made up their minds. God was already in that position in their lives as young people. Don't fool around, right? You say, I'll be more serious about my Christian work. I will love God more later on. By the time the later on comes, if God is not highest in your heart, you will fall into sin. And every time you fall into sin, God gets lower and lower and lower in priority in your life. Then you won't even want to sanctify God in your heart anymore. Alright? So please remember that. Now these people are in persecution. This is the solution. Now the next one, the next thing that we must do is this. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now number one, God says sanctify him in your heart so that you will never compromise. You will never give in to your persecutors. You will always obey him and never worship what they ask you to worship. Alright, you will never deny Christ. So God says, sanctify me. But then, it is not just do that. Because God says next, and be ready. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you. Christians, you must learn this. But before I say that, now, this, I hope someone at least gets, gets this right, right? The main theme <coughs> that we've been studying is, is about what? Not submission. Uh, submission is one of the sub-themes. The main thing that, that, the main kind of life that Peter is describing is what life? Wait, wait where have I stopped? Alright, next. Isaac, what kind of life did, was, has Peter been talk, talking about all this time? Very good. Thank you very much. I can sleep tonight. Alright? <laughs> strangers and pilgrims' life. Peter is talking about the strangers and pilgrims' life. Okay? Now, well, thank you. Have this picture in your mind. Strangers and pilgrims. Alright? Strangers and pilgrims. Both, huh? Not this is stranger and this pilgrim together. Huh? We are all strangers and pilgrims. He say, in your heart, make sure God is highest. Alright? Everything else is under him okay now then when god is highest everything else is under him means you will always choose god you will always obey god okay now is that enough for a stranger's and pilgrim's life no there is plus different kind of lips right Right, read because i want you to remember this picture all right they meant to not read, right? Is it just God highest in your heart? You will always use Him, you will always obey Him. Is that a stranger's and pilgrim's life? Did Peter just say, sanctify the Lord God in your heart? You sanctify Him, you won't sin. Is Peter only worried about you not sinning? Is God only worried about you not sinning? No. Is also re ready always to give an answer of the hope that is in you. The strangers and pilgrims' life is not, 
the, what's the end purpose of the strangers and pilgrims' life? Next. Matthew, what's the end purpose of the strangers and pilgrims' life? Not to sin? What's the end purpose of man? To be different from the world. To be different from the world, okay. So, be different, we take some words, huh? to be different. Why do you want to be different? So that I don't sin, okay? Don't sin, okay? Why do you not want to sin? Um, so that daddy and mommy don't scold you. So you can obey God, alright? Okay, last one. And why else? Why do you want to do all these things? To be a witness. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Right, to be a witness. All these things, remember, the stranger and pilgrim's life is about being a witness. If God do not want, if God simply say, I don't want you to sin. If God do not want you to sin, we've been learning, right? If God don't want you to sin, then what, what should God do immediately? Ryan. If God says, Ryan, I don't want you to sin, alright? After you get saved, I don't want you to sin. What's the best thing to do? Then you just put us in a glorified body. <laughs> Take you to heaven straight away. Take you to heaven straight away, right? Why does God leave you on earth? To be a stranger and a pilgrim, correct? And what's the purpose of strangers and pilgrims? Look at chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 9. Okay, we come, keep coming back to this, right? Let's read together. But... Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him, that I call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then 11 and then 12, reading. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lust which war against the soul. Stop there. This is, this is don't sin. Correct? Don't sin. So all the things that he said that Matthew said is this don't sin then let's read let's continue reading um, verse 12 having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation the strangers and pilgrims to be a witness so that they will glorify God on earth correct so please remember when we say the strangers and pilgrims' life, most Christians today are very focused on this part. It is not wrong. Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. But most of the time, Christians don't want to sin is because they don't want consequences. That's about it. I don't want to fail exams. All right? I, I want to be in the right job. I want to find God's will and be in the right job. So because when I'm in the right job, there'll be less trouble. God will help me. Correct? Is everything about myself, even when we don't want to sin. Now, so stranger and pilgrim abstain from fleshly lust is to achieve verse twelve. They shall behold your they shall behold your good works and they will glorify God. In other words, be a witness. Now, this word witness, who knows what's the Greek word for witness? Who who knows? I've said it before. No, don't know. Where we get the English word martyr? Martyr, you know martyr, all right? Martyr, martyr, someone who dies for a belief, all right? Martyr, this is the word martyr. Whenever you say witness, it is martyr, okay? So you say, I want to be a witness, ah, Matthew, you want to you want to do all these things so to be a witness, right? Are you ready to die for Christ? I ah, see, young people they're very honest. Good. <laughs> Are you ready to die for Christ? 
You think a bit. Okay, I think, I think, I think, yes. Right? Better than, yes, but don't mean it. But now we must all understand as Christians. Understand Daniel and his three friends. Daniel and his three friends. Were they ready to die for Christ? For their belief? Yes. If you want to be a witness, you must be ready. God has not asked you to be a martyr yet. Alright? Martyr also means you, you show forth Christ, right? When you die for him, you show forth Christ. God just asks you, don't put your studies, your grades, first, above me. God just tells you, don't make money, your job, your games, your friends, above me. God didn't ask you to die for him, at least not yet. Alright? We are not called to blood yet. Witness. Now, witness also means that, why are you willing to die for Christ? Because you are so clear in your heart. You are so clear in your heart. Right? So, Matthew, I hope that when you stop and think a while, you're thinking, let me think, let me think, let me think. Ah, it's clear. Yes, I will die for him. Alright? So, you are clear. Now, so, two things. Christians, please remember. God says, as strangers and pilgrims on earth, one, sanctify God in your heart. Don't sin. Two, your lips. We can recognize lips. Be ready to answer. You cannot say, I am a stranger and pilgrim. I am stranger and pilgrim living rightly for God when you cannot give an answer for your faith. When people ask. Because today's Christians simply say, as long as I know I'm safe, as long as I know I'm going to heaven, hey, but I'm better than other Christians, you know, I'm obeying God. You look at other Christians, I'm better than them. Yes, good, but only this part. Your life on earth. If God wants you to not sin, he, take you to, he can take you to heaven now. Why are we strangers and pilgrims? Because we are supposed to be witnesses on earth. And you cannot be a witness if you cannot tell people about your faith. Understand that. So I hope you be clear in your heart once and for all. And you grow up with that in your heart very clearly. Being a Christian on earth is not simply about not sinning against God. That is, that is expected. It is about being able to answer for my faith. Remember that. Okay? Please remember that. Because most of us, if I were to ask you today, who have you shared the gospel with? Many of us probably won't say more than one hand, the numbers on more than one hand, fingers of my hand, five. Not more than five in my whole life. Because we think that this is the only part and we are focusing and we're trying very hard, which is good. But all this is to do that. Now, then we ask the question, what is a witness? Eh? All right. Oh, I didn't answer that. What will happen? Okay, I guess you wrote some of the answers. Now, question number four. Since I am not under persecution, what, do I, what, what need have I to answer for my faith? Now, why am I asking that? You see, to them, we, we, when we read that, we simply think of this. Uh, um, they are persecuted and then they must, they say, tell me who is Jesus. And that's it. Alright, I must answer for my faith. Now, the answer is this. And what I'm trying to ask you to answer is this. Because I am a witness. A witness is supposed to be able to answer for my faith. Whether I'm under persecution or not. I am supposed to be able to answer questions when people ask me about the Christian faith. Okay? 
Now, what happens if I'm unable to give an answer of the hope that is in me? Uh, next, Enoch. So remember, uh, the Christian life is obey God and, be, uh, and also speak to people, be able to answer about the Christian faith. So Enoch, what happens if Enoch is very good in this? Okay? Go for church camp, don't have foolish wrath, you know, all that kind of thing, alright? But this part is missing. What will happen? You're not really a good Christian. Thank you for saying it very simply. We are really not a very good Christian because we are called to be strangers and pilgrims. We are incomplete. Incomplete. Now, then is it about just is it just about is it just about sharing the gospel? Look at how this is. Look at how it's answered, all right? Maybe I, I give some more answers about what happens if I'm unable to give an answer of hope in me. Next, Jennifer, what happens if I'm unable to give an answer for the hope that is in me? Say again. You become a bad witness. Okay, very good. But what is a witness? Yes, a martyr. Okay, so when you just say you witness an, an accident outside. All right. Then you say. Um, then the police say, "Do you see the accident outside?" And they say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. I saw the accident." All right. Then after that, the police say, "All right, all right. Come. Then you must go to court. All right, and be a witness in court." Okay. Now, what happens if you are a witness? So we are all Christians. Christians are all witnesses. We can't run away from that. Okay. We are called to be witnesses. Now, so God, call, eh, not God. The police calls you to to the court, and then you sit in the courtroom, and then the, 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 the lawyer asks you, all right, the prosecutor asks, um, now, describe to me what was the color of the car. And then you say, uh, not very sure, I think it was green, but maybe it was blue, but I think it was actually purple. All right? Then you get, oh, okay, never mind. Ask you another question. Um, tell me exactly what happened. Did the, car, did the boy cross the road first or uh, cro- ran in front of the car or did the car swerve and knock the boy? Then as a wit- you're a witness, right? They say, uh, actually, I'm not very sure. I can't answer that. Alright? Then it goes on and on and on and on. What would they say to you? You are what witness? <laughs> Alright, very nice word, a bad witness, but lousy witness, a hopeless witness. They say, you're hopeless, please leave. Alright? And then you say, no, 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 no. Uh, then you try to say something. You say, we don't believe you anymore. Correct? Now, what I'm trying to impress on us is we are witnesses. As witnesses, you cannot answer questions about what you are supposed to be witnesses of. How can we live like that on earth? Right? Do you realize why many Christians can't really answer? Or maybe I would ask you, why do you think many Christians cannot answer question? Uh, question answer number one. Because I think most think that it is just this. Most think that Christian life is just about obeying God and not sinning. Correct? Now, let me ask you. Okay, come, come to next. Uh, your brother's name, dear. Yeah? 
All right, you. I forgot his name. Share with uh, Marcus. I'm so sorry, Marcus. I, I remembered your name throughout the camp until today. <laughs> now, Marcus. Marcus. Um, what do I want to say? Marcus is a witness. And w- why do you think, Marcus, many Christians don't study the Word of God or are not very interested in the Word of God? Why do you think so? When you look at this picture, because to be a, a, a God-pleasing Christian and a Christian that fulfills his purpose on earth, right, is not to sin and also to be a witness, to be able to answer for our faith, right? Why do you think most Christians don't study God's Word? Say again? Because they think they know enough. Alright, good, that's one of the reasons. But I just want to say that most people, because we don't think this is important, we don't, don't realise this is important, then we don't, we don't study. Now, but even so, when we study, alright, so I stay with you, Marcus. Even if Christians study, why is it that no matter how many times pastors teach the same thing, the next time he asks the same question, they don't remember or don't know? Why? Don't know. Yeah, how come I'm there still? Eh? Okay, i try here, right? I th- oh, no. Maybe I thought I kept asking. Oh, next. All right, Leah, Leah, Leah. Why do you think that no matter how many times we learn the God's word, but somehow when someone asks us, we don't seem to remember? Or don't care to remember, huh? We don't concentrate. Why do you think people don't concentrate, Veronica? Why do you think Christians don't concentrate when the word is taught? Because they're not interested. Alright? Why do you think they're not interested? <laughs> because they're proud, okay? One reason. Now, what I'm just trying to say, I've got to move already. Now, because we don't realize we are actually all the time. Uh, now, please look at this verse. If you are a proper Christian and you know your role on earth, look at First Peter chapter 3. Now, God says this. Where's that? Verse 15. Now, be ready. Number one is ready. Number two is always. Number three is give and answer. Number four is to every man. Number five is that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Five things. Number one, be ready. Why are we not ready? Because the word ready means fit. Be fit. You are ready. Why are you not ready? Because you don't study. You don't study, you're never ready. Now, always. Why don't we realize that God says at any point of time, we must be ready. Now remember the the test I told you you about, the surprise test. What do you call that? What test? Pop quiz. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. Spot test. Spot test. Oh, spot quiz. Spot, spot quiz. Spot test or pop. Okay, pop. (laughs) Pop music kind of quiz. Right? Pop quiz or spot quiz. Why are you ready to answer spot quiz? Because you know there is a spot quiz or pot quiz, correct? You 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 are always ready. Will you concentrate? Gracias. Yeah, definitely. But do you realize that God says you have a spot? You will always be put on the spot very often. And people will just pop a question to you anytime. Right? God says it's like that. Be ready, be fit. You must study. 
and to give an answer to every man means every man means different kind of questions can come, correct? Different kind of questions. The Christian must study God's word. I said this in camp already. The Christian must study God's word with a purpose to answer questions. Because you know now, answering for my faith is, is an expectation that I, mu I must fulfill. Number two, is every kind of question. I said in camp, don't study the topics that interest you. And that is all. The Christian must study everything. Why? Now, um, your name? Tanya. Tanya, I'm sorry. We pray for you every week. Tanya, do you only study your favorite topics and prepare only for your favorite topics during exam time? No. You study as much, as many topics, as the whole, the whole course, everything in there, right? Expecting that any questions can come up, any question can pop up, right? Only if you believe, only if you say, I am, I am expected to answer every kind of question, then you study every kind of things, correct? Now, the reason why, number one, Christians don't study is because they don't think that they need to, they don't realize they need to answer. Number two, they don't realize they need to answer everything. It's not, well, you know, I'm quite weak in this area, so I study this. I'm quite weak in that area, so I study that. I'm interested in this aspect of Christianity, then I study that. You think when the people, every man that walk up to you to ask you about the Christian faith, they're going to ask you, let me see, which is your favorite part of Christianity? Then, oh, that part, then I ask you that question, those questions in that area. It's not going to be like that. You have to know that. But we don't do that because we still, we, unless this, this purple part, or you can't see, this part is so clear in our mind. We are as, as serious about walking a holy life, which I'm glad you are. We are as serious here as, and we are as serious here. Because keep remembering, if this is the only thing that God wants us to do, He would have taken us to heaven. But the most important part that God wants us to do on earth, which this part will support, Satan makes you think it's not important. Why do you think Christians don't come for Bible studies? Why do you think Christians, when they come for Bible studies, uh, that part I'm not interested, tick, switch off. Do you do that in school? Uh, I'm not interested in this part of the lesson, you switch off. You copy notes, you take down everything because everything can be tested suddenly. Every man can ask you a question, correct? But the question is still this. So I want to emphasize, as a stranger and pilgrim on earth, every topic of the Christian theology in the Bible is important. Please know that. In fact, the ones that you are most uncomfortable with, the ones that you're most disinterested with, you better study and better know the answers. But I want to ask you this. What happens still if I'm unable to give an answer of the hope that's in you? I will be a bad witness, right? We say I'll be a lousy witness. Wait, so I'm going to come to next. Anna, Anna. So I am an unbeliever, alright? You are supposed to be a witness. You're supposed to draw me to God, correct? Now, so Anna. Anna, can you tell me, Anna, you know, you say your God is love, right? And God is supreme in His, He's the most loving God, correct? You keep telling me about the gospel, right? Then Anna, can you tell me? Then, you say God is the creator of everything, then God can control everything on earth, right? Including the weather, correct? But then Anna, why, why then does, why is there tsunami that kills so many innocent people? Why is there tsunami that kills innocent little children? 
Because it's God's will. Because it's God's will. <laughs> it's my will. I don't do anything to it ever I want. Okay. Uh, you can tell a Christian that. That's a good answer, actually. You can tell a Christian that. But if you tell an unbeliever that, they, they still get very angry. But if it's love, then he should control the tsunami, right? And not let anyone die. Can I answer? Grace, tell me. How can, how can, how can, um, how can Jesus walk on water? Because he's, God. because he's God. So you tell people, well, because he's God, the Christian cannot can accept that. But unbeliever, I just ask you, I don't believe in God. <laughs> then you just tell because he's God. Now, I'm just giving you some example. Now, Christians, when that keeps happening, people ask you again and again and again. And you cannot answer. Come here now. Caitlin, what do you think your friends will say? About, about Christianity. Um, it's like the cold and the way that you people. Very good. You are just blindly following. You, you do not know. Your religion is false. You are brainwashed. That's it. Because you have no answers. Do we make God glorious? No, we don't. And that's exactly what Satan wants. People, you obey God, Good. I'm not that worried actually. It's when you can tell people about God. It's when you can be useful to God, to be used of God to answer difficult Christian questions or even simple ones. That is where people will turn to God. That is where God is glorified. That is what He doesn't want. So please understand. A Christian who thinks that I'm a Christian, I as long as no, I go, I'm going to heaven. I don't need to study in such great depth. That's what Satan wants you to think. You won't be a witness. In fact, you will bring God's name to shame. They will just say, oh, this is a joke. Right? Brainwashed. Now, when I was in secondary, when I was 16 years old, alright? I remember I witnessed this scene where a young, um, a, a Christian tried to witness, share the gospel to my classmate, 16 years old. And this classmate of mine, he hates religion, especially the Christian religion, which is not surprising, alright? And we were at a barbecue and then this, this person shared the gospel to, to this person. said, don't ever tell me about Christianity, it's all fake, you know, it's all... F-. And, and, and then he began to... So a friend said, no, it's not. I said, then, then I challenge you. And he asked him many difficult questions. All right. Why not this? Why that? Why that? Now, but this person, this 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 young sixteen-year-old, he could explain. He could explain it in a way which makes a lot of um, sense. That even someone who hates the religion. Now, at the end of the conversation, this this person who hates Christianity said, "You know, I really can't stand it when when Christians talk to me about Christianity." It doesn't make sense and it's stupid, right? Then when he asked, and he said, this is the first time I actually find the answers sensible. 
I actually begin to understand why, why this, this person called Jesus must die on the cross. Now, I, at least I understand why. You see, it's the first time I ever want to listen and listen long enough. Understand, if you are not able to do that, you can live the most holy Christian life on earth, which you, we are expected to press towards. Without this, we are a failure. Study to be able to give an answer. Right? Be fit. Be fit. Now, then, I ask you last question and then I think we have to stop. How must I, how can I ensure I am able to answer for my faith? How can I be sure that I am able to answer for my faith? Now, actually, I, I also want to say one more last thing about the last question. What is the danger of not being able to answer for your faith? Come to this side. Ah, Michelle, what's the danger of not being able to answer for your faith? Um, you doubt your beliefs and you might be Christianity Very good. It's a very dangerous thing. When you do not know your faith well, you will begin to doubt. Because when you tell your friend, and then your friend posts you a, a question which you cannot answer, then you go back and think, think yeah, maybe it's not true. Now, I, I, I told you before, right? Surveys have been done. A big majority of Christians like you all, so you know the danger, right? you all, grew up over time and left the church and left Christian faith. Why? Because over time, you say, you know, this answer, that answer, I, I can't answer. And church can't tell, can't tell me. Ask my parents, my parents can't tell me. No one can tell me. If no one can give answers, then this religion must be false. Many leave. Many struggle. Yes, why does God allow tsunami? Why does a loving God allow these things to happen? Because they don't study God's word. Alright, Isaac and Matthew. Why do people leave church? Why do you think so? Over time, like you all grew up and then eventually leave church. Why? Because when we're children, we could have a grudging heart. Say again? Because when we're children, we can have a grudging heart. Grudging heart. Oh, excellent answer. <laughs> Very good. Because as children, we have an obedient heart. Is it obedient heart? Grudging. Grudging. We, have, we are children, we, are, we can have grudging. <laughs> I know. We are forced, so we are forced by parents to go to church. We are forced to believe in things, correct? There is a, many of them, thank you for the answer, that survey show many of them develop a grudge. I don't want to go to church. I don't understand this thing. I ask you, you can't tell me. My, and then I ask my friends. My friends tell me something else. Then their hearts get more and more angry because they don't know their faith. They don't know the answers to their faith. And then they finally grow up. I'm just waiting for the day where my grudging heart and I have the freedom and say, I'm not going to church anymore. I've had enough of this, correct? Now, when you don't know your faith, that is what can, hap that is what can happen to you. So be careful. Now, now let's answer question number six and then we end. All right? Hopefully we do this in five minutes. Now, how can I ensure that I'm able, I am able to answer for my faith? Shinrei. Number one, study. All right? So she got the easy one. Study. Why does God say, study to show thyself approved? All right? Study. What? Now you understand why we ask you to study. Studying everything. 
is part of your stranger and pilgrim's life. You are a student in school. What do you do as a student in school? Study. You are a stranger and pilgrim. Now you understand stranger and pilgrim, you are expected to study. Study everything. Come for BBK. Attend all the chapters. All right? Know it well. All right, study. Next one. Uh, Jemima. Say again. Pray and ask God for help. Alright. Yes, when you study, you depend on God the Holy Spirit to teach you. Are you saved? If you're not saved, you can keep studying, you won't understand. Make sure you're saved. By the way, if you keep studying and studying and you hear God's word for, for weeks and what you still don't understand God's word, and in your heart, actually, it don't, all don't make sense. You better ask, better come and talk to me. Maybe you're not saved. Understand that. If on and on and on for years, in your heart, deep inside, actually nothing makes sense to me still. I don't believe anything. But I come because my parents forced me to. Please talk to me. You might end up in hell, alright? If you're not saved. Now, next one. What else? Build your own conviction. Build your own conviction. Study with the purpose to build convictions. It's very important. You know what's conviction? No, Matthew, do you know what's conviction? Very good. The belief that is, that is very strong, that is unmovable. It is really you, not like what Isaac described. You are just forced to believe and you're, you have grudge in your heart, you don't believe. Alright? So it's a real, genuine belief. You're convinced. Okay? Study to build convictions. Don't study to just, oh, okay, okay, ah, whatever, whatever. If you, have don't you don't have convictions, when they ask you questions, they convince you otherwise. What's going to happen to you? You are going to shift, correct? They are under persecution. They must have very strong convictions. Next, alright, very good. Study to build convictions. Huh? Hey, by the way, I want to say this. Now, I, in, as, a, as a pastor, uh, and have, having served in different churches as a full-time, as a, as, a, as a minister of the word, there are many Christians. They regurgitate. You know what is regurgitated? Whatever the church say, they just say. But they don't have convictions. And no one can know, you know. Everyone thought this person is fine. Then they join the church session. And then when it's trouble, they have a different belief. And they cause a lot of problems. Right? Convictions. Next. Well, so study. Very good. So study. Convictions. Study. Jemima, what was yours? Pray. Alright, study and pray. Very important. Study. Have Study to have conviction. Next. Uh, no, this is to be to be okay. This is to be able to answer. But how can I be sure that I can answer questions? All right. Yeah. If you don't obey, it's a bad testament. You say but you don't obey. But what else, Hazel? Revise. Very good. Revise and memorize. Now that's why I try to give you acronyms and use alphabets to so help you remember. Revise. Very good. Next, uh, CP. Okay, apply principles. When they ask you, you'll be able to apply principles. Okay, what else? Next, uh, back here. Chris, Chrisia. What are you doing? What are you doing? What, what, what were you just doing? Writing down. Writing down notes. That is it, right? Oh, you look so frightened. I wasn't scolding you. <laughs> 
write, take notes. Alright, just like just what you're doing, right? Take notes. Why do we ask you to take notes? Who goes to school? Well, maybe when your friend do not bother to take notes, do not bother to write down things. I'm not saying you must write everything, but you say, oh, this is a different topic. Now, next week you're going to come back, or next time I come back, we're going to talk about, did Jesus go to hell? Because he said, and then Jesus, it seems like Jesus went to hell to preach to souls in hell, right? All these difficult, these difficult ones, you better take notes, right? Now, if your friends in class, they don't take notes, especially those difficult questions. When they don't take notes, means they, they, won't, they don't bother about exams, correct? You take notes because exam will come, teacher will ask you a question, you want to be able to give the answer, correct? So you take notes, correct? So take notes. That's why we encourage you to take notes. But if you want to revise, you know notes how to revise. If you don't have notes, and then your friends ask you, can you tell me, did Jesus go to hell? And I'll show you the verse, your Christian friend. Show you the verse, alright? They say, oh, yeah, I studied that before, but I don't remember. But I don't remember, is it okay? Most Christians say, it's alright. So what? If I can't answer, so what? Most Christians feel, I can't answer, so what? So you fail. So that is what Satan wants you to fail in. I cannot answer as a stranger and pilgrim. When we say, so what? means we say, I don't care. Alright? Alright, so, take notes. Now, then, okay, so take notes. Next one, last, last two. Take notes, what else? Anna, take notes, very good. Revise with others, very good. When, when you're talking, bring up. You know, today we learned that, yeah. So, yeah, revise, right? Now, please keep your notes. You have no notes. You can't help anyone. Christian, can you please study the Word of God? Yes, to obey it, but also to answer questions. Study it for that. That is part of your responsibility. You go to school, study. Your parents say, study. Right? Then say, okay, I studied. I took notes. Very good. Exam is coming. Go study your notes. But I threw them away. Who have last... last before the camp, do you have to do the paper? Don't have. Most of the time, you don't have it. Why sometimes I try to act upset with you? Because it's for your good, for your revision. All right? Files, just buy files and file them up. All right? So like for me, I have it on my, on my computer. I have, I have different folders. I keep in there. Some frequently asked questions or questions about charismatism, um, all the difficult ones, all right, that people commonly ask. Then I put the Bible verses in there, then another file that is for maybe um, 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 difficult questions like, did Jesus go to hell? That kind of thing. Or why, why, did God, why does God allow tsunami? You know, your teens, and, teens Q&A question. Or they can, I file it. Sometimes I suddenly remember I file another one because I want to be ready at any time. Your friends ask you, you may not really remember it. You still can quickly pull it out, check, say, I'll get back to you, I'll let you know. Right? Start to keep that. I still keep my Bible college notes. Alright? I still keep them. So start to do that. If you write and then you throw away, it's because you never knew this was part of your life. Who, who, 
Who doesn't know that there's an exam in school? Of course there is. But if I ask you, who doesn't know that we are supposed to give, to be ready always to give an answer to every man who asketh you of the reason of your hope? Who doesn't know that this was our role on earth? I think most of us say, I didn't know that. Because you know that you are, you have exams. That is why you take notes, you file it up, you keep it. Because you know one day you come out and work, you know you need to work and you need those notes to work one day. That's why you keep them. Right? Wait, Aaron, do you keep your, your school notes? Please say yes. If no, if every day, one day you have to operate on me, why do you keep them? I have to look at it one day not just for my exam when I come out and work alright I need to look at those notes before I go and slice up somebody alright if, if you do engineering you do whatever one day you go back to those notes and say ah I'm going to build this I better use this formula I remember this formula why? because you keep it you care but you don't care about answering questions right? so please know that so Christians, I, when I ask you to take notes, especially the key questions, the difficult ones, you know how many times I've said, no? the next time someone asks me that question, every time Christians come, they ask me the same question, the same question, the same question. I say the next time someone asks me that question, I will ask one of you to answer. But I'm not confident that you'll be able to answer. It's very sad. It must be, we must be ready to give an answer. Then, I, then you know, I am a witness on earth. That when that happens, someone else can say, uh, Can you please answer this question? I'm not sure about it. Not for pride, huh? we study the next time, it's for meekness. In meekness. Are you one, do you want to be such a Christian, Gracia? I want to be able to tell people about my God. If I cannot, then people may say, I think it's false. Why do you want to believe it? You cannot answer. I ask you so many questions. Everything, you can't answer 90% of it. Why do you believe in it? Right? And then some, sometimes soon you say, yeah, actually it's true. Why do I believe in it? Alright, so this. And the last one. The last one. What's the last one? What else do you think you need? Ask. Ask questions. Ask questions. If there are things that you're not sure of in your heart, ask. Find out. If you let it brew and brew, then like Isaac say, I don't understand, I don't believe, then I'm forced to grudge you begin to build, right? You get upset. Ask whenever you, that's why we have teens QA. So anytime you have a question, ask. Ask daddy, ask my they can't answer, ask, ask, ask the pastor. Now the Christian must be able to answer questions. I'm not saying every question, alright? Even as a pastor, I can't answer every question. Whenever you can't, you go check. But if most of the time, all the basic questions about your Christian faith, how to be saved. So maybe I just ask, can you describe very simply, very clearly, how to be saved? Most of us can't even explain how to be saved, how we are saved. Right? Then how are you going to be a witness? If you cannot explain to me how to be saved, why, what, what makes you think you're saved? What makes you think you're going to heaven? What makes you think your religion is real? Because you can't explain how to be saved. Correct? So ask, ask. So asking is good. 
Okay, I always welcome questions Unless you ask because you're trying to be funny, alright? No teachers like that, okay? Now, so please remember the key thing tonight is You have two duties as a stranger and pilgrim This one is very common This one is something that Satan has managed to erase From the Christian life That is why people don't study Even they study I just study for myself I can't answer so what? That's why we study like that. All right? Let us pray.